Ordering fire, two rack of lamb, one red snapper. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Here we are, episode four of Beyond the Pass. Uh, pretty, pretty excited about this one today. I got my little uh, industry buddy I met through the industry a few years ago, uh, Luke McCabe on. Uh, really good story, really awesome chef, really cool guy. Um, so uh, one of the first guys I immediately thought of uh, when we were going to start uh, doing this podcast. Of course, I'm sitting here, beautiful Vantage Venues, 27th floor. Follow us on Instagram at Vantage Venues for all that food content, the virtual parties, uh, things with the Wine Sisters. Shout out to my girl, Erin Henderson. Uh, follow me at Kyle, double underscore McClure at Instagram. Uh, my co-host, Nate, at Food and Kicks, super gangster style on Instagram. Uh, yeah, man, I'm excited. Nate, how are you feeling, bud? I'm feeling great. You know, like we've had um, some food suppliers. We've had, uh, you know, we've had a good variety of uh, guests on this is number four, right? Yeah. So uh, I'm excited to have uh, a chef on that's followed similar paths to us. You know, that's what I get up in the morning to do, to do is hear chef stories. I actually use it a lot at, at George Brown College. Kids like it. So I'm going to bootleg all Luke's stories and then go uh, make the students laugh and pretend it's all my shit. So uh, thanks for coming on, Luke. We're excited to have you. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Really, uh, really cool. Like I said, man. Kyle uh, banging out in some competitions with IAC and stuff. And then uh, to get to chat with you the other day was, uh, was awesome. Yeah, man. It's a uh, kind of a weird way that we met, but uh, it sort of seems like that Canadian contingency of the copper skillet guys kind of all stay in touch a little bit, even though uh, now you're sort of uh, out doing your own thing that isn't uh, involved with IAC anymore, but it's nice to keep it together. And it's always nice to be able to talk, uh, reconnect with somebody that you have a lot of like-minded things with. Um, what is the IAC for people like myself who don't really know what it is? We want to inform our viewers. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher the what it is the international Luke. Can you help me out here? What is it again? The International oh, Association of Conference Centers and Hotels or something? I believe so. Yeah, I'm gonna go with right? that. You got the I A double C, so we're good. Yeah, I, I think I got it right. I'm going to get an angry email from Mark Cooper who's <laughs> up in England listening right now. Uh, he's going to tell me I, I, I messed it up. But yeah, it's a, it's a worldwide thing. Um, and we've, me and Luke have both been lucky enough to um, compete in their competitions. He's, you've hosted, you hosted one at NAB. I've hosted six, about to be seven. Um, so uh, they're pretty fun. I got lucky enough to get through one time. I think I sneaked one past Luke. Um, and I got to go to, uh, I got to go to New Jersey and get ripped off by the Americans. So if you guys are listening, I'm super salty still, yes. um, but, uh, we got a copper skillet winner advantage, my good friend and, uh, business partner and sous chef Barry, uh, he happened to sneak his way through and win the whole thing one year. So, uh, yeah, yeah we, uh, copper skillet's a fun time for sure. Um, but enough about the copper skillet and IAC, those guys can have their own podcast later if they want it. Um, <laughs> Luke, let's hear the story, man. Like I'm, I'm super interested, like, uh, been a chef everywhere around Canada. Uh, obviously really skillful in the kitchen. Um, and you, you had a really great little job going on at NAV, uh, really respected place. You were doing really good work there. Um, and you happened to open a, a cool little spot called the Finch market. And we're going to dig into all that, um, after when we start hitting you with the, with the good questions, but let's hear the humble beginnings of Luke. Sure. Yeah, I guess uh, without getting too long-winded, hopefully. Um, I mean, I started off, I used to go to a chip hut like every Friday with my mom. She'd take me out for dinner if I was good at school and, uh, you know, had a good week type deal. So we ended up befriending the owners and uh, they made the joke one day that I was going to have to get a part-time job peeling potatoes. And uh, 13 years old, I guess, started peeling potatoes and never really looked back. So within, you know, a year or so, I was short order cooking and, uh, you know, punching in the till and, you know, David go away on a weekend and, you know, I'd be there to kind of run the show for the two days and had one of my other buddies from school, Matt, out with me and uh, got to make him peel the potatoes while I cooked burgers. And, you know, it was just kind of, I guess, love right from there. And, you know, I was working for poutines and uh, chicken burgers. It was awesome. So, uh 
you know, as it progressed, I kind of did that. I also was very fortunate enough to, uh, you know, I guess be all right at some high school football. And uh, we had talked uh, with a with a college in the States or university in the States, potentially doing some stuff down there. And then I blew up my, uh, my knee my final year. Um, so the only other thing I had really done was kind of cooked and, and, you know, short order cooked to some golf courses and stuff. And uh, my mom... Uh, decided that uh, with my mom's help, we decided we'd, we'd do that for a career, I guess. Um, she unfortunately got sick with cancer. Thankfully, she's in remission now. Um, but she really pushed me to continue down that path of, of the culinary uh, thing and not kind of just quit and, you know, uh, you know, focus on her, her needs. So we, we balanced both and she was a huge supporter. Um, I know Nate and I both kind of went to Algonquin, which is pretty cool. Some of the same professors um mario ramsey alan fleming those guys were huge influences for me um and they had me go west uh they told me look man you gotta go you guys are there was three or four of us in our class that you know just kind of got it and we already had experience and he really put us under our wing and uh and got us out there so did four and a half years in lake louise um you know the first two and a half was kind of a blur um but I was able to make connections there that were, were lifelong. Um, we had a crew up in the Fairview, which is their fine dining kitchen. I got lucky um, and was stationed there when I first arrived. Um, and, you know, I got my ass handed to me, dude. Like I went home some days going, what the fuck did I get myself into? Like, this isn't, this isn't, this is, this is crazy. Um, you know, cause it was still, and I mean, I'm not even that old of 40, but you know, 20 years ago, you know, things were acceptable in kitchens that I guess aren't acceptable today. Uh, in a sense so it was it was very hard it was passion driven and it was a lot of passion let's just say um kind of overflowed so and that was cool I mean I worked with great chefs Eric Hara, Ryan Morrison who's now at Marble uh, up where you guys are um you know Chris Witherspoon, Joe Sachs, Jeremy McKinnon there's just guys that that gave me uh you know time um being a young guy and they were already established in this you know big kind of daunting kitchen of, had this reputation of you know five diamonds and you know, all the prestige that came along with it. So that was cool. We did that for a bit. Um, and then uh, our executive chef, Domo, um, incredible man. Uh, his time had come. There was a new chef that came on board uh, and him and I just really didn't gel. So I knew my my time there would pretty much be done. Um, so I moved on to Milestones. I uh, went up to Edmonton, uh, was in South Com, uh for a little bit with them. Uh, was able to get on their senior kind of chef team, was out in Vancouver for a little bit, did some things out there. Uh, took me back to Toronto head office um, with the milestones as well in Vaughn. Um, so, I mean, that taught me a lot of fundamentals, uh, a lot of SOPs, a lot of structure, which was really cool. Um, you know, started that out, you know, 25 to 30 type deal. And then I opened up my own spot back home. Uh, that was a couple year adventure. We did the whole Scottish thing from scratch haggis and scotch eggs and just kind of was really dope. Uh, Andy and Linda, um, were incredible, uh, incredible owners gave me an opportunity back home to do some fun stuff and then nav center. So that's, I guess my last, you know, kind of place people know me the most from. We, we did eight years at nav center. Um, when I got there, it definitely was nothing like how we left it. <laughs> um, and then obviously COVID has pretty much destroyed the rest of it. Um, which really sucks because that's, that's one hell of a property. Um, the stuff that I was able to do there, I don't think I'd be able to do anywhere else. Um, I had an incredible management team that believed in me, Ian Bentley, Charles Goyesh, uh, Kim Coturner. Um, you know, I just had an incredible team there that, that really allowed me to do what I did. Some awesome sous chefs, uh, Mark and Gab and Joel, you know, it, it takes a lot of people to do those things. Um, but I just felt my time had kind of come to, to fruition there. I wanted to do other things. Um, we did some Japanese A5 dinners. I hooked up with Steve Brown uh, and Dave Duarte and some guys and my passion just kind of started going towards that sort of thing. Um, and it's what I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to be able to open the a la carte restaurant. Um, the feeling was, I guess, that I was, you know, still to be the executive chef and I just was kind of over it. So I needed to be able to go do my own thing. Um, and with the help of my partner, Sue, um she knew that I was struggling a little bit you know with what I wanted to do very firmly roll the dice uh we bought a grocery store which is now known as the Finch Market um we were able to retain the staff um that we had here um kind of previous so I looked at it as though I was very fortunate to inherit something that was already well underway by Karen and Ian. 
Um, and we were able to just add to that and, and kind of take it to just, I guess, what I'd known, what I've been hunting for as a chef on my days off, different products, stuff that I just couldn't find. I didn't want to have to drive to the city. I'm really not a city guy. Um, so, you know, Finch, Ontario, population 400 people. Well, let's sling some Japanese A5 Wagyu, drop some Spiceology, um, you know, and let's see what happens. And now we're, you know, I'm ordering in fresh Wagyu every month. I'm, you know, we're 20 different brands, 25 different brands, over 150 different spices, kind of barbecue meat driven. We're using upper two third meat program, triple uh, A meat program, Northern Gold. Um, it's kind of exclusive to us in the area and uh, it's phenomenal. So that's kind of where I'm at today. Um, you know, I had a stop in Japan in November, which was really cool for some some Wagyu stuff. So it's uh, it's been a whirlwind this last couple of years, especially with the pandemic. But uh, that's kind of that's my story. Wow. Okay. So I just want to confirm a couple of things. Hometown. Where's your hometown? Hometown, Smith Falls, Ontario. Oh, okay. Smith Falls. Oh, Smith my, Falls basketball boy. Coach, my basketball coach, Warren Newberry, is from Smith Falls, actually. He's my basketball oh, right coach. On. Yeah, good guy. Um, what'd you do to your knee? What injury did you? Was it ACL, MCL? What'd you do? Uh, whole thing. ACL, MCL, PCL. Done. Wow. So okay. I don't want to bring we, back uh, any flashbacks, but really impressive. I like to all you young whippersnappers out there, establish that resume. I like when you're saying four years here, eight years here, you know, I, and, and some of my students listen to this and I, I, I just pounded home is like establish that resume. Like Kyle's been at Vantage, I don't know, 50 years. I don't know how long he's been there. But <laughs> oh, no, really we're, we're coming up to nine here, bud. See, that's, I mean, that's, that's really admirable because it's so easy to just, just to bail out uh, when things get a little dicey. Right. But, uh, I mean, perseverance, that's, that's why you got to where you, where you are right now. So uh, kudos to you on that. Uh, so give me just a day in the life of you at the Finch Market. Like when you turn the lights on in the morning and when you're just packing it in, like uh, just give me a day in the life of, of a Finch Market because uh, I've been really sure. following you pretty intently on, uh, on Instagram and uh, it's just a cool story. So just uh, for all of our listeners out there, just uh, break it down, a day in the life of, of you at Finch. Sure. Yeah. We have a lot of fun with it. Um, so I usually roll in, I don't know, depending on the day, I roll in seven, eight o'clock in the morning. I've got my manager, Karen. I uh, was in here by seven. Uh, she starts all the in-house kind of baking. I say that we kind of finish bake because um, we still, we bring in good product and we proof it and then we bake it in-house. Um, mm -hmm. So we still are doing some proofing of breads. We're still doing some of that. It's not just thaw and bake. You know, so I kind of call it finished baking. Um, you know, we're doing bagels, we're doing croissants and pastries. So we get that stuff one um you know we kind of open up the shop i'm sweeping we're mopping floors still um you know i'm doing all that stuff you know myself like we're just not at a place right now to to have somebody doing that so we kind of do the opening we open at nine um and then uh very fortunate i got a 40-year butcher ron uh who comes in uh and then he starts to do his kind of his kind of butcher thing him and i work together create some cool uh cool specials or different ideas um and kind of collaborate on that aspect of it and then you know we've got our, our cashier come in and then we just we open man and then we start slinging so you know you come in you check out the spices you talk to us about the meat we can hook you up you know build freezer orders if you're looking for something we'll bring it in for you um you know because part of establishing the market for me is i can't force products down people's throat you know what I mean? Like they're going to buy what they want to buy. So just ask, you know what I mean? If you want it, tell us, you know, we'll try and get it in for you, you know, which is a really cool thing. So, and then that also educates me if I don't know what it is. And I think that's a really cool thing too. So I'm still able to be in that kind of service industry and mentality of still wanting to serve the client and give the client what they want. But now it's just in a different manner in a different way, I guess. So um, we work through our day doing that. We're very fortunate. We're an LC, uh, LCBO out, uh, convenience outlet here as well. So that takes up a lot of Karen's time, um, you know, with ordering for beer, with liquor, inventories, all that fun jazz. Uh, so she handles most of that stuff for me. I'm very fortunate for that. Uh, and then we also have uh, Penny who will come in on most days. She's, I guess, like our kitchen tornado. Penny does a little bit of everything. Um, you know, we make our own macaroni salads in house, you know, we're trying to slowly start to do in-house production on a few things, um, you know, and just do a few things and do a few things well, and then we'll, we'll grow it, um, and do more and more. Um, so then takes us to about, we're closed about five, five thirty. uh, five 30 close six o'clock on, you know, kind of weekend night. So we haven't, 
stretch ourselves out too much because again with covid we're a really small team out here you know six seven employees um you know and we're trying not to burn everybody out it's been a long run with covid um you know we're very very fortunate to still be open you know if we didn't open there you know take over this i probably would have been dumb and open to try to open a restaurant and you know again with not being established we would have been destroyed um you know and so many of my friends out there that i see it just hurts me because i know they're hurting and it's it's hard you know for, to watch them go through this mm-hmm. um so we're very fortunate uh, and i say that a lot to, to to still be able to open our doors and do what we do so i think that's why it's important for us to listen um you know and try and try and provide people with what they're looking for so, so <laughs> go ahead so just because we're we're on the whole finch market thing here what's like so that's your, that's your daily. That's sort of where you're at now uh, with the whole COVID thing as well. It sort of tightens things up for you, but like, what's the plan? Like, what's the, what's like the, like, what's the goal? The end game. Market? So, yeah. what's so the end, end, game? end game, end game Finch market, you know, that we've, we've kind of set, like, I mean, this is the flagship, right? So like the idea when we first bought this wasn't for me to, to be here kind of every day type deal, like with, Again, the Japanese kind of Wagyu stuff I was doing, I've been very fortunate with Chef Steve Brown uh, to have him take me on his wing, per se. And uh, with kind of some of his, you know, dinner series, we were going to do a whole Canadian A5 dinner series. You know, we had stuff booked in Toronto. We had stuff booked in Ottawa. And, you know, we were going to go out west for a little bit. Um, you know, that was kind of what I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to cater. I wanted to be able to do dinners, but I guess on my terms. Um, because I was so... I like I love being able to do the events that I did at NAV, but I just, everything had to be perfect and everything was for a first time, you know, and it was an event for 500 people and it's a brand new menu and it's a brand new thing. And I mean, you deal with it all the time, Kyle. And it just, it, it's hard to continually outdo yourself. And, you know, I just, it wasn't fun. So now with the catering thing that I, that I do or that I choose to do, um, you know, it's the stuff that I want to do that's fun and excites me. And I, I want to go to somebody's backyard and I want to hang out and, you know, be able to have a beer and shoot shit and cook some good food, not, you know, have to be worried about, you know, the wrong thing or this or that, or the bride and groom are taking an extra hour for pictures. So that prime rib's got to sit and you got to deal with like, I just, I'm over that. So um, this gives me a way to be able to just to kind of do it on my terms now, I think, which is fun and, you know, fingers crossed it's going to work. And, uh, you know, so game is, it is, is we want to have a farmer's market in the parking lot, you know, on the weekends, we want to be able to do barbecue outside. We want to be able to offer some of that stuff inside. Um, so, you know, there's a whole nother process, you know, you can't do that without certain certifications and certain, you know, licenses and stuff, which I'm finding out kind of each day as we go. And, uh, you know, I just learn every day and work to improve it and, you know, okay, what is that going to take to do this? Well, let's start digging up and researching it. So, and result is this is, you know, the flagship, you know, we hope to have another another location as well. Um, that would be a more condensed version of this to be more so butcher shop and, you know, kind of focusing on spiceology spices and uh, some of the other one-offs and kind of harder to get items or things people aren't, you know, you can't find in every store. I don't want to be the, you know, the guy that's carrying everything else. I'm trying to carry, you know, stuff that not a lot of other people are doing. And, um, you know, I'm learning how to go about that now with securing relationships so that I can be the only person in the area with certain products and that it's not, you know, at every store 10 minutes down the road, which is super annoying because half the stuff that we're doing, you know, it's, it was never really in the area to begin with. So it, it's fun to just be able to kind of expand it and just learn how to do that too. You know, it's a, it's a whole nother game. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Like, um, I want to talk about your Wagyu stuff a bit. Like, um, it's uh, you know, when when you say a town of four hundred people, you're selling Wagyu. Um, yeah, most, but... people, most people would think uh, you're a lunatic, but actually, <laughs> I'm from I'm from Peterborough, Ontario, right? So I've got some uh, some some uh, small town roots, and uh, a friend of mine just recently, his buddy's like, "Hey, uh, I got this Wagyu stuff here," and like immediately he was like blown away. So regardless if you live in a thriving metropolis of millions of people, or you live in Ennismore, Ontario, with two hundred people. It still tastes good no matter what, right? So, like, yeah. gutsy move, but, you know, you're bringing it to the people, so to speak, to sound cliche. So, uh, beautiful. Uh, tell me about some of your menus. Like like you said, you you had a series. Can you just break down a menu, amount of courses? And, uh, yeah, just, I just want to get a nice visual of, of what your goal was before COVID shadow and everything. Sure, yeah. So, I've done some, uh, again, most of, again, for how I was introduced to it was, was, again, alongside Chef Steve, thankful for him. So, his stuff is anywhere from nine to 20 courses to, 
I mean, he's crazy, man. He, he, during the pandemic has popped up a couple Swagoo shops that do nothing but sell Wagyu and Swagoo burgers. And I mean, it's lined up out the door. He's got a truck now, like it's, he's made it work. So um, what I've done is I've done some five course stuff. So, I mean, you start off small and you start off with like some tartars or you start off with some, you know, some foes, you know, with some, you know, raw egg yolks and some shape, you know, some shabu shabu style stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you progress into your big three, you know, you're going to eventually get to that rib, that strip and that filet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're going to do something funky and cool for dessert. That's innovative and out of this world. Um, you know, to kind of try and, you know, you got to leave on a high note. And so you got to kind of beat that rib, you know, that's course four, um, you know, so you got to leave and, and leave on that note. So, um, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. We do, we balance the fat with a lot of acidic sides because you're trying to, you know, it is such a fatty, you know, yeah. the oleic acid, but it's good fat, right? So it's, it's like that salmon and those olive oils and those fats. So it, it's, being cut with the acidic is nice. And then, I mean, obviously sometimes you want to do some traditional stuff too. You know, you want a nice red wine sauce, you know, you want, you know, a proper dauphinois thin, you or sorry, uh, potato, thin, thin, you know, potatoes, um, you know, croquettes, just things that again, add some texture and add some crunch and, you know, to go along with all that flavor and, and that umami and also that texture of the Wagyu because it's so different because it, there is so much fat in, in it as well. Um, you know, it doesn't come at you with that big, bold, beefy flavor of the F1s, you know, when you're mixing them with the Anguses, you know, you're getting that more umami and that, that, that more buttery and that, that more, um, you know, softer texture in your mouth with them. Right. Did you ever um, have any of the, the Kobe or Wagyu beef tongue at all? Have you ever tried, have you played around with that or, or tried no. it? Uh, um, no, no beef. It's great. I was in Sendai and, and I went to a place and they were, they were serving at tataki and, and sashimi beef tongue. And I'm like, is this, where the fuck is going on? And it yeah. was like mind blasting. It just melted your mouth. So maybe that's something to research and, and potentially, you know, play around with that because, you know, from a price point perspective, if you're, if you're doing menus, when the smoke clears, that might be a really cool course to play around with. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mr. McClure, what do you got? Yeah. So the Wagyu stuff, man, like so interesting. And like, I guess it sort of plays off what Nate just said, like Finch is a small town. um, And you're really just like, I would assume that a lot of the population and people around haven't been introduced to Wagyu the way that you're trying to do it. So I really awesome. Like you really, you said you want to go and do your own thing your own way. And obviously that is what you're doing, which is super cool. But like, what was the fear level, man, when you realized what the population was and what you wanted to do? Was there ever a moment where you're like, oh, shit, like there's fucking nobody that lives around here. Like, did I just make a mistake? Or were you just like, no, nah, man, I'm just doing this. And oh, I'm bro. Yeah, no, we uh, there there was a lot of talk about me bringing in bringing in the Japanese beef for the beef from China, as it was called in the beginning, because it's, <laughs> uh, you know, with coronavirus, it was a. It was definitely a big learning and a big thing I had to do. So I was very fortunate, I guess, at the beginning when I was out here, um, there's a big dairy association with cattle farmers around. And I was asked to go speak at one of their meetings. So I actually brought um, a full piece of Kagoshima uh, BMS 11 rib uh, to them uh, to be able to see. And a lot of them just couldn't believe it when they actually held it in their hands, you know, the, that of what it was. And, you know, when you start kind of talking to them about it, you know, there was a few of them that have messed with the Wagyu genetics. And I, I never knew how to build a cow. I still don't really get how you build a cow, um, but I'm learning how to build cows. So I, I threw it out there to those guys that look, I'm, I want to partner with somebody. You know, I have this place that can be a finish um, and can sell it and can move it. I can use it in my dinner series. I've got guys, you know, in the States that would probably be interested in Canadian Wagyu from something that, you know, we know is in our circle of guys um so you know how do i do this so i was very fortunate to get reached out by by a farmer um uh todd dixon um and he was actually interested in starting um an f1 program and doing some uh wagyu growth up here in canada uh with a partner and then his partner had a sudden heart attack and and they kind of put it on the shelf so when he heard that i was around um he figured it'd be worth talk so we had a conversation long story short uh todd was down in texas uh we purchased some um, uh pure um pure breed yeah pure breed i always get this next green blood blood and if you do the people will come after you so um he purchased a couple tex uh black tajima uh wagyu uh cows brought them up we rented a bull we let them do their things um and then we've uh, started our program um and then what he also did when he had that bull in 
uh, was we put it in a pen with 12 uh, Angus crosses um, and we started our own F1 program. So in the spring of 2022, um, I'll have two uh, full breed Canadian grown Japanese black Tajin Wagyu. Hope I'm getting all that right. I believe so. Um, ready to go. Um, we're going to try and finish them with whiskey mash. Um, and try and simulate kind of the, the Takamori and the Drunken Wagyu um, over in Japan. Um, kind of do it our way here a little bit too. So Todd's been kind of playing with that stuff. Um, but so far, they're coming along good. They made it through winter. Everything's great. And uh, yeah, we're excited to be able to have those and start that process. So, um, you know, it, it grew. The interest is there. Um, you know, I've got cattle farmers, some of the guys that are like prize guys coming in and, you know, hey, man, what's up? And I'm like, look, remember, this is your world. I just, I'm bringing this and introducing it to you guys, um, you know, and trying to spread what I know about it and together, you know, if we can work together over here and figure out a way to, you know, produce Wagyu and, and, you know, do it, it'd be pretty cool. Amazing. Um, do you want to, do you want to give us just like the, the, the Coles notes of what the Jap Japanese experience was and what that sort of did? Uh, for yeah, years, so so a shout out again to Steve uh, and Justin at Trex, um, Mark Melmick. Uh, so Trex uh, is an importer in the States um, for Japanese Wagyu. Um, and they also, like they import, export American stuff. Um, and they're the ones that had supplied Steve with the, the things and I'd done the dinner series through them. So they thought that I would be a good representation um, to send over to Japan. Um, you know, together with the Japanese government, they kind of had this little program started before COVID again kind of happened where they were going to bring over chefs and purchasers um, and kind of show them kind of how, how the process is done. Um, they took us into the, took us to the farm. You know, we talked to the farmers. We learned about what they were fed, how they were fed, the process, you know, that they go through, you know, kind of 600 days versus 300 days. Um, you know, the, the, just the care and the level of love that they get. And then even we went to the processing plant and they walked us through the whole, the whole thing from the holding pen to knock to skin to broken down, um, you know, to some stuff cryo back froze, some stuff fresh, a really cool process. And then we had a couple really hard days in, in kind of classroom settings um, where we were put to the test with butcher yields, um, you know, cuts, how to utilize the cuts, um, you know, because there's a, there's definitely a completely different avenue when you're breaking down that meat versus, you know, our what you can leave on you know and it's still usable um you know the yields are just a bit different i mean they're smaller um than you know a traditional angus they're they're just incredible incredibly you know bred to be what they are animals right so um definitely a big culture shock for me over there you know i'm a pretty simple dude from again smith falls um <laughs> yeah i've traveled canada and stuff but uh to go over there it was it was different man but it was it was just so educational and, and just again so very fortunate to be selected to go over there and just have the opportunity to learn and see it firsthand um you know and then coming home and being able to you know talk to people about it and, and sell it here and and sell enough of it you know what i mean like the first purchase we ever did was i bought a full loin set you know and i would tend to I operate this business on a ten thousand dollar credit card essentially and i'm like okay i gotta max this thing out and we haven't even started you know like it's um you know it was an adventure but it went so we started with kagoshima which was the region that i was in that i was the most familiar from um and then we branched out we brought in Miyazaki. um these are different prefixtures um and each prefixture usually has a different finish or a little bit different feed program um and then we were lucky enough to bring in some nagai and some furano uh which are rare breeds so there's only like you know 2700 or 3500 cattle um for the entire world you know they're single farm um, operations. So the rarities there, um, and it's very hard to get, you know, like I got in a guy once last year and I had to wait all the way until like February and kind of have my name on a list to get another piece, um, you know, to be able to bring in. So now we've got Hoyogo. Um, yeah. So I think we're at like six or seven different prefixtures that we've done here. Um, I was able to get a small piece of Obey once, uh, only because, uh, a place in Montreal had applied for the program um so they were sent a piece and they decided they weren't going to go with the program anymore um so the place that i was getting it had a piece and i had asked for it so they went through the right channels and partly again because of 
um, you know, Trex and them kind of hooking me up and sending me over there. They allowed me to purchase a piece without being in the program. So I did get to experience, you know, true full on Kobe ribeye. Uh, we bought about a three kg chunk and uh, it was, yeah, it was incredible. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a wild ride. It's been scary, but uh, you know, the people, the people enjoy it. And I mean, you know, now we're doing it fresh, you know, we're putting fresh snake river farms in the counter on the weekends and it's moving and selling. So we've grown it, you know, organically, which has been nice. Um, and hopefully it just keeps growing. That, that it's really awesome that, uh, you kind of found something you were interested in and now, uh, you get to work with it every day. Like I've been in the restaurant industry since I was 16, I'm 37. Now I've had the pleasure of working with Kobe one time, one time only. Um, and it was, uh, me and my buddy, Benjamin, Den uh, Ben Denham, shout out Ben, uh, chef of white Lily diner, uh, just purchased a farm. Uh, White Lily Farms, guys, check him out. Uh, the food at White Lily, some of the best in the city. So, uh, no doubt, check out my buddy Ben at White Lily. Uh, but yeah, me and him slugging it out at the Rosewater in the butcher shop there, day in and day out, the two of us. And one day, uh, just a case came in. We had no idea what what it was, whatever. And he, I was paying no attention to it. And he just opens the case. And I could hear him open it, and he just goes, "Mother of God!" And I turn around, I'm like, "What?" And he just like pops it open, and there's like not even that much like what would just be over a quarter of a strip line and i was like what the fuck and he's like yeah man so we like run to chef's office paul bomber was the chef there chef chef what's this why did this come in like this can't be right and he goes oh yeah i have a standing order for that like it only comes like every once every three or three years or something whenever i can get it but whenever my name pops up i just tell them to deliver it where i'm at we're like okay cool man and we had it for two nights it all sold out in two nights and that was my beginning and end to my story of dealing with any type of Wagyu. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was great. Uh, a, lot, a lot of people don't realize is that like to serve true Kobe, you've got to be certified. Right. And with the certification comes a bronze statue and, and that statue head, you know, of that Kobe, if it's not predominantly in a window, it's not Kobe. You know, and I, and I hate to bust everybody's bubble, but if you had a $20 Kobe slider from I'll say milestones, you know, which where I worked, it ain't Kobe. Yeah, you yeah. know, and now I know that. So, you know, there's even a, there's Australian, like there's Australian Wagyu and there's a brand called Master Kobe, Master Kobe. So that will get bastardized and sold as Kobe. But you're looking at it going, wait a minute, that's an F1. There's no way. So you just learn that that's the Australian, you know, thing, but people will, will sell it as that. So, you know, I try and be pure as I can on it as much as I know, but I also know that I'm still learning too. And I, I don't want to bite off more than I can chew. So it's more about just always educating yourself on it and, you know, growing with it. But I mean, true Kobe only comes if you got that plaque and, you know, Steve's got it. And I guess another guy I should, should say too, was instrumental for me was Dave Duarte. Um, you know, he's working towards his Kobe certification as well um, out in Vegas. So, you know, those guys there really kind of laid the path for me. So it's been fun to fun to follow. Well, Luke, right. I think it's your duty to bust people's bubble when it comes to this subject, right? It's, it's your specialty and, and uh, you know, people are bastardizing certain things. It's, it's you know, let it fly, man. I, I respect that. And I think the, the, your brand uh, is, is what it's all about. Yeah, well, thank, thank you. And, and I mean, for me, I don't, I'm not trying to cause shit with people with it, but oh. it's like, I provide certification. I'll give you the nose print. You know, our stuff's traceable um you know I, i'm selling what it is you know i don't want anybody to be misconstrued you know there's things like slap labels on things um you know and, and again it is what it is but for us here we just try and try and be as transparent as we can be with it we get it from reputable people i'm actually working uh again with treks uh hopefully to try and be one of the first uh well to be the first to get drunk and wagyu in canada um so we can lock that down and be a pretty cool thing and you know be screaming from the rooftops so it'd be awesome yeah, for sure. It's awesome. And like Nate said, right? Like, I mean, uh, you obviously have have quite a bit of knowledge, then you've gone out there and got it yourself, which is definitely admirable. And it's like me and Nate can't sit here and talk about it the way you can. It's like, I'm listening to you right now and trying to learn as much as I can. Because It's like, what the fuck do I know? The answer is not that much, right? Like, like I yep. said, I have a I have a fucking 10 minute story about it in a butcher shop at, at the Rosewater where I didn't even really know what was going on. I was like, what the heck is this? So that's exactly um exactly to nate's point right like you, it is kind yeah. of on you to on you to bust people's balls and that's okay but like so let's leave the cows alone for a minute well uh we'll maybe we'll come back to the cows we'll leave the cows alone yeah. um 
Spiceology. I know you got a relationship with them and I know you got a relationship with True Cooks. It's all over your Instagram. You're a great Instagram follower, guys. Follow follow them. It's at Chef Lumberjack, right? That's the that's yeah, the Chef Lumberjack 84. Chef Lumberjack 84. Uh man, really a fun, uh, a fun Instagram page to follow. Uh you get my comments every once in a while. You're doing some cool Hell stuff. Yeah. I always I always see the I always see the true cook stuff uh, and I always see the spiceology. So Give us a quick little rundown about the relationship you have with them uh, and sort of what what you provide spiceology wise and that sort of stuff. Sure, man. So I, I guess it all started out with love. Um, you know, I'm uh, obviously Anthony Bourdain is a big influence on in all of our lives, you know, culinary wise. I don't think it's anybody can say he wasn't. Um, but then obviously, the more you dig into him and I guess the way I am, if everybody loves something, I really don't want to be on that bandwagon. So, you know, Marco Pierre White was a guy that I was driven to. Um, you know, because of, I think everybody else's love for Bourdain. So I ended up falling in love with Marco and I saw a shirt one day on the internet. It was a picture of Marco White smoking a cigarette. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Who's that? And you know, it's this true cook thing. So then I look at it I, and I start digging and I'm like, wait a minute, it's just a bunch of tattooed dudes that are like six chefs. And, you know, they seem to like all get along and support each other. And they're doing these, you know, parties and they got all these cool shirts that like, you know, time is Illmatic, you know, for, and that's like a Nas album, but spelt time and culinary. So there was these plays, you know, uh, you know, things with Biggie Smalls and just, just real shit. And uh, so that's it. I just, I started ordering clothing and I, I kind of followed that brand and I felt like I fit in with it. It was, you know, as chefs were, we're kind of misfits, man. You know, I think that's fair to say a bunch of pirates and uh, you know, at heart. Sure. And uh, these guys were that, and they were just, they were doing it. And so anyway, I jumped on it. I, I started rocking the clothing. I started following along um, for the ride. And then Spiceology came out. A lot of the true cook guys were rocking Spiceology. So I'm like, okay, well, how do I get behind this? I'm an executive chef. Like I should have some pull. Like, you know, these are awesome spices made by chefs for chefs. How do we do it? So um, just so happened I was going down to New Orleans. Yeah, New Orleans. Went down to New Orleans for a trade show. And when I went down there, I met Justin. Uh, O'Neill from Spiceology at the booth. And we have been talking a little bit about, you know, kind of what's up. Anyway, we grew a little bit of a friendship and worked things out, took some time, but eventually we were able to get them into, into NAV through Sodexo. Um, and I was able to get them as an unapproved vendor. I mean, you know, but um, how much fun that is. Yeah, that's but, not uh, easy, right? With Sodexo, you got to yeah like it, say pretty please and do all the right things right yeah and and again that, thank thankful to nav and, and those guys there for wanting me to you know chef wants it let's get let chef get it type thing so that was pretty awesome um so yeah that's how we started with it and then you know the more we started cooking with it they were just unique flavors you know like a black and blue you know a cajun with the hydrated blue cheese you know truffle powders and and, and just different raspberry chipotle you know just some things that you didn't see you know around here that were different you know spices have grades and this stuff only has like a couple year shelf life instead of like a 10-year clubhouse shelf life and you know excuse me things like that and they were just a bunch of cool dudes so yeah justin when i left kind of nav i was like hey you guys do retail and he's like well we can figure it out yeah we, we can do retail and i'm like perfect then let's do it so it just kind of became that first step in the store and then nobody kind of really there i don't think there was very many retail shops and, and you know nothing like kind of what we developed into we started small and now i think i carry absolutely everything they have um in one form or another we're working on shipping you know kind of canada wide um you know if you give them a call and you don't want to go through the whole duty in the u.s and everything they'll give you, tell you to call me at the market and uh, we'll work it out um we're working on trying to get a little e-commerce thing going um again me being you know chefy it's uh computers aren't my friends, you know, really in the whole technical side. So I'm working on trying to find somebody that can help us out with that, which we think we finally nailed down. Um, and then we can start really slinging it. Um, you know, we're keeping next Amazon and their prime and their free shipping, but my prices are lower. So hopefully it'll matter. And, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, we can try and take the world by storm and, you know, we've done some firsts with them. You know, we did the first Canadian ever giveaway because most of the contests you see online are always for American, you know, if they're American companies, it's for American only. So we partnered with them and we did the first giveaway, uh, last fall and then we're going to look to do another one here coming up in may i believe um just to, you know try and show the canadians some love with it so they're on board they're cool they want to grow um and i've just been fortunate that they've you know kind of let me grow with them a little bit in a sense up in canada and you know we can just keep getting the vibes out and you know it's really good product made for chefs you know and it's uh 
you know, they partner with ambassadors, um, you know, um, Derek Wolf, you know, with beer infused, you've got Sasquatch barbecue and each one of these guys are their own personalities the grill dads, um, you know, which is really cool. DJ barbecue, you know, and I've been able to develop relationship with, with those guys as well, because they're all again, kind of true cook guys, a part of this spiceology community where it's okay to reach out and tell somebody, Hey man, thanks a lot, you know, for, you know, stocking my product. And it's like, thanks for sharing you know and having great flavors and you know doing stuff so it's been a really cool relationship with these guys and uh you know hopefully we can just keep it keep it moving so yeah if you're looking for spiceology and you're in canada hit me up um so uh i i, I love the spiceology stuff we i've been using it here a little bit advantage uh you know i don't get to use it as much as i want just because of everything you just said with the pricing with the shipping and stuff so now that i know you got that on lock i'll be hitting you hitting you up and slide in those dms hey eh, luke dude we can do the whole restaurant buyback program homie we'll get you guys set up um so the spiceology thing's cool the wagyu thing's <laughs> cool the whole market thing i dig it man i love it um especially like you're saying you get off at six o'clock man it's beauty you can't beat that right um, no i still get my sports <laughs> yeah that's right bro but and here's the but here's the but so it's great and you're having a good time and everything's going the way you want. And in a year and a half, two years, you miss hearing that chip machine go off. You miss, you miss standing online and slugging or are you worried that you're going to, are you going to get that itch or what, bud? Like what's going to I've happen? already got the itch, man. Yeah, if, if, the itch. if you're legit in this industry and, and again, I'm going to sound like a fucking asshole and I'm sorry, but like if you're an actual like chef and this is what you're born to do and this is your passion and guys like us, it doesn't leave you ever. That's like, cool. and for all the wives and the girlfriends that think, oh, I got him out of the kitchen and he's at a nine to fiver, man, that guy's fucking miserable inside. So it's guys like us, it won't ever leave us. You know, this is a great break for me, I think. Um, you know, two, three years down the road, if I'm missing it. Well, I'll look at, at what it is then. But, you know, again, I guess I didn't really bring this up. But part of the other reason with this is I've got a, a small son um, and I've got a family. And uh, um, it's just that was what was really important with this, too, is like I take every second weekend off with my kids now. You know, Saturday, Sunday, there's nothing that gets me in here. Um, you know, and that, that's a big thing. So, you know, as long as it doesn't mess with my family life and what I'm trying to create there and, you know, the what we're trying to do with that i think then it's fine you know maybe i would entertain going back to it but like i said i want to control it it's got to be i think right. now just being an executive chef and then working for myself would be real hard to go back to something with a lot of structure that wasn't what i was good with yeah i feel that man and uh me and nate can definitely relate right like once you uh once you have those little ones uh as much as you love cooking and you love other things there's uh there's nothing quite like the love for your own children and wanting to be there so I can definitely appreciate that, man, for sure. Um, so we're going to we're gonna switch it up a little bit here. Um, we got a little bit of a new segment. We kind of, uh, we, we debuted it on the last one, but I kind of, uh, I kind of hit Nate with the soundbite a little too quickly. So we're going to do the, we're going to do the soundbite. This is the only time for the listeners you're going to get a warning, but uh, let's get ready and we're going to have some fun with a few questions here. <laughs> Three random questions. Bro, it doesn't matter how many times I hear that sound bite in Nate's voice. I fucking laugh or smile. I've heard it. Kyle listens to that when he goes to bed every night. I just, just, that's me too nice. I like it. Okay, Kyle, you hit him with the first one. What's your, okay, what's your so, random um, I had to give Nate a hard time uh, in the last podcast because it ended up turning into a basketball podcast halfway through. Uh, Nate's a huge, <laughs> huge, huge basketball fan. Used to play semi-pro, uh, that sort of stuff. Um, so this is more my realm. I'm a huge NFL nerd. I couldn't be any more of an NFL nerd. Um, and it just so happens that you and Nate's favorite teams, I know both of you guys are NFL fans, especially you, Luke. Uh, your favorite teams are both divisional rivals. So there should be a little bit of hostility between you guys, but um, <laughs> I'll ask you first, Luke, uh, next year's Super Bowl, you have to choose one to win and it can only be one. The Raiders, the Broncos, or the Chargers, who's the pick? Ah, it's going to be an act of God, man. They'll cancel that Super Bowl. I don't <laughs> think I could. Like, I hate them all so much. Like, I, I just, I, there, there's, there's real hate there. 
Um, I understand. And I know Nate can feel it too. Like it's, it's when you cheer in this division, that AFC West, it's, uh, it's mean, man. It's mean. So I have, I have no love in my heart for anything from uh, the cities of Minnesota or Chicago, just because of the football teams that reside there. So I, I understand you. I have a soft spot for the lions because they suck. They've sucked forever, but let's go. You gotta, you gotta pick one. Come on. One's got to take, I'll, I'll take Denver. Shout out Tyler Macklemoyle. Cause I had to fucking sit through a bunch of Denver super bowls and watch that shit when Elway went there. So, uh, and then they brought Peyton in and that was, that, that was, that was hurtful. But, uh, I like, uh, Vaughn Miller. He's a Derek Thomas, uh, fan. So I would have loved to see him come over, uh, come over to KC eventually there, but uh, I think they just kept him there this year for a couple more. So yeah, I'll take Denver one. just because of Vaughn Miller. Um, what do you got, Nate? Who do you got? You okay, well, I'm going to Luke, you know, like one of my best buddies from Peterborough is a Chiefs fan. So you're right. The, 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 the hatred and the shit talking is, <laughs> is through the roof. But we do share a similar athlete. My favorite player of all time is Marcus Allen. So do you have any love for Marcus? You know? I do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I do. He was a game changer. Yeah. So um, my question is spin dip or dry ribs? <laughs> what? Milestones here. We're gonna do some milestones. Oh stuff. shit! Yeah, dry, uh, dry, what dry is the ribs. Spin dip or dry ribs? Dry ribs. Yeah. Dry ribs all day. Those things were just like I don't salt, know, man. Salt and pepper caked, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> oh shit! That's, yeah, that's, that's one of those inside it. milestones things I have no idea about. I'm assuming, right? Because you guys are both smiling pretty heavily right now. You know what? And but the sad thing is, is I still got that spinach dip recipe. Yeah, you <laughs> when it came to Ontario, boy. You can't, you can't deny that. Yeah, yeah, Roy guys and them, they uh, they were on it, Trav. Yeah, a lot of good boys there. Yeah. Um. All right. I'll, most of my questions are football questions because I'm in my glory with this. So, uh, this is for everybody. Favorite football player of all time? What do we got, boys? Oh, I'm 58, Derek Thomas, man. He changed the game outside linebacker, uh, well, linebacker in general, you know, all those sacks against Seattle, you know, the record still stands, man. So single sack record in the game. So DT 58 for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm Marcus Allen to the, to, to my grave. I was, uh, he was pretty special. So what about Bo? Even, you got to watch Bo. Uh, yeah, Bo is okay. I mean, this Marcus, because he was tall and long, he just kind of changed the complexion of what a running back should be. And he just had Fair enough wheels and uh he had a nice long career so uh yeah he's he's, he's my guy i yeah. uh i actually and i didn't do this just because he played in your guys division he actually is my favorite player and i got lucky enough that he played in green bay for the best years of his career uh charles woodson uh speaking of how he changed the game i think that uh a lot there isn't another defensive back you can think of that could play the run the way that charles woodson did that guy changed the way people looked at defensive backs being able to play the run. In that year, he won defensive player in the year with Green Bay when they almost won another chip. Uh, he was unconscious, unbelievable in coverage, man zone, and you just couldn't fucking run on Green Bay, who notoriously has a bad run defense because Charles Woodson was just everything for them. and He did everything for them. And he is, a hell of in my a player. opinion, a hell of yep. a player, first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the best college DBs of all time and like I think that if we're talking greatest DBs of all time you're really only having a conversation with maybe him and Darrell Rebus um and I think maybe they're that that might be it honestly like I of course there's other guys I saw I saw the look Luke but I mean Daryl Green Daryl yeah, Green for sure, for sure there's always guys like for sure there's always guys <laughs> yeah, um, yeah so that would be my pick uh and then one more football one the only prerequisite to this is the answer is not allowed to be Tom Brady um, we'll just say that Tom Brady can, can be the, the pseudo number one, but greatest quarterback you guys have ever seen play best quarterback. Who do you guys got? No, Brady. Oh, that I've seen play. Wow. Jesus. Nate, I'll let you go first. If you got one. I get, I mean, you know, the Oakland Raiders doesn't have a star studded fucking, um, quarterback roster. I mean, you got the snake and Plunkett and, Cannon and whatever, but when I was a kid, uh, Joe Montana was the one for me. You know, when the Raiders were nowhere to be seen, I just really liked what Joe Montana did and how clutch he was, and just uh, you know, humble. And I liked him. So Joe Montana, outside of the Raider realm, I mean, Jim Plunkett's my guy. Um, just that's when I first fell in love with football back in the day. But yeah. uh, yeah, Joe Montana was pretty legit to me. 
I'll, uh, I'll hot take it. I'll just get in between you guys for a second. I'm going to hot take you. I don't even know if I think Joe Montana is the best quarterback ever played in San Francisco. That's oh, my young over Joe Montana. Okay. Well, where's the light? Hold on. Hold on for a second. Let me flick. Yeah, the light. I might be with you on that. Nate. I don't know. Man. You, guys need a, you guys need a buzzer. Like an offside buzzer or something. Steve, Steve, Steve Young had an extra level of athleticism that I don't think Joe Montana might have had. Oh, yeah, but okay. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, for me, I think, uh, you know, you most of my my watching, you know what I mean, through the era of the quarterbacks, you're not going to see, a, you know, like you said, a Brady, and then I don't think you're ever going to see another Peyton Manning. Um, and I was able to see that robot play yeah, um, Peyton, as much Manning as I one, couldn't yeah. stand him, especially when he came to Denver. But, uh, you know, what he did with the Colts and Andrew Luck to follow it up, those guys are generational talents that you just don't see. So I think those two guys, um, for me, were two of the ones. And even your boy Rogers, you know, that he might be looking like he's going to go to Denver possibly too. So, um, you know, I think those guys for me would be that. Yeah, I I think Peyton Manning's a good answer because Peyton Manning really really brought to light what a thinking man's quarterback can do. really beat you with his brain. Uh, plus obviously had the arm talent and all that other yeah. stuff. Uh, obviously I'm, I'm going to say Aaron Rodgers because I'm a Packers fan and I have no other, uh, I think he's mo- the most athletically gifted quarterback maybe ever. Um, and you know, he, uh, he was a couple bad bounces and a couple bad defenses away from having a lot more Super Bowls. Packers really in the last 10 years have really, uh, you kicked a, you, you tried to kick a field goal. Yeah. That's what you did wrong. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of that call either, but by no means is that the most not by no means is that the most egregious thing that uh, that's happened to Green Bay in the in the NFC Championships. Um, but maybe I won't even see Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay anymore. That's a that's a touchy one for me. That'll be for another time, not right now. But uh, we're we're not happy as Green Bay Packers fans. Um, Luke, really yeah, but- great man. Uh, I had a lot of fun. I was really excited about you coming on. You're one of the guys that I immediately thought of when it came to this. Um, I'm just excited and happy that you decided to join us, man. Like hopefully down the road, we can have you on again. Uh, I'm hoping that maybe you can be one of those guests that like after we have about 30 or 40 and you might want to come back for a reunion. I think you got a lot of a wealth of knowledge as you shared, especially with the Wagyu, but I know it doesn't stop there. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to keep, uh, keep our, uh, industry, uh, friendom going and uh maybe one day me and barry can pop up at uh at finch market for a night or you can come down here and do some smoking with us uh, absolutely we, man you guys out. need a prep cook i'm pretty good like yeah, i'm good man. at chopping i can listen well yeah i think you'll do bud so I, i'm excited <laughs> i'm excited man and uh and thank you so much for coming on awesome yeah, guys thank, thank yeah, you for the opportunity so yeah. appreciate yeah, it man. Yeah, Luke, thank you so much. Super inspiring. Um, you know, keep doing your thing. Um, best of luck to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to all the listeners out there from the beautiful Vantage. What is it called again? Vantage Venues. Vantage Venues. Vantage Venues in my, my grimy man cave here. Uh, thank you so like much it. for joining us beyond the pass. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm Nate Hogan, my boy Kyle McClure. Um, thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Peace. Uh, and remember, check out Luke on Instagram. Check out the Finch Market on Instagram. Just get some yep. last plugs in there for uh, for Luke. And shout out to my boy, uh, Steve Young. And we out of here. Yo, what happened to peace? Peace, 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 peace. 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 peace.